0: Well hello, I'd like to thank you for letting me join you on The Prison Pod. This is episode number 20, I can't believe it, number 20. I had guests lined up and both had to postpone, so I'm on my own for this one. If you are a first time listener, please grab a piece of paper and something to write with. I want to hear from you. Do you have a story idea? or a topic that you would like to hear on The Prison Pod, write to me here at The Prison Pod, Post Office Box 294, or in Omane, 04473. Let's get started. Well, Halloween kicked off the Christmas commercials. I think of the way we celebrate certain holidays, and it seems the reason for them gets totally lost. Some people had holidays filled with happy memories of family gatherings. Others do not share those same memories. Everyone expects you to be filled with holiday cheer. But you know what? That is not everyone's story. If you lived in a home when holidays were around parties and drinking or drugging, your thoughts and feelings Around the holidays may make you sick to your stomach. Depressed at Christmas songs and trees and lights and Santa? Bah, humbug. I decided when my kids were grown up, I was no longer celebrating Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, etc. People act like they're sorry for me, like I'm missing out on something. Well, maybe I am. Uh, The debt that carries through the next year, the family squabbles, shopping anxiety, I could make a list. I do sometimes miss the Christmas tree, but it looks strange without presents. Last year, we did donations from the, the Heifer Foundation in the grandkids' names. The younger ones didn't quite get the concept, but as they get older, I'm sure they will grasp it. So this is what my Christmas list was last year. A festive flock, a flock of chicks and education on how to raise them. Food basket, a basket of food connects farmers to hungry families. Seeds for a garden and education on how to grow the food. And two trios of ducks. Make a 12 days of Christmas song out of that one. These gifts go to families in dire need for resources and are truly gifts that keep on giving. My kids told the grandkids that they really have everything they need and most of what they want. Sometimes it's better to share with others than to receive. When I started doing prison work, I realized that holidays could be a tough time for many. I would go to as many facilities and see as many people as I could from November to January. We used to send in Christmas cards back in the day when that was allowed. Let me say this, it is very hard to find appropriate cards for people not celebrating the holidays the way that others think of them. Those from our house to yours or enjoy your cake and ice cream aren't quite right for someone who is incarcerated. Hey, those of you who can write or draw great business ideas. I have yet to find a Hallmark card that fits prisons. At first, this whole thing of not celebrating Christmas was very weird. People don't invite you to parties or gatherings at all because, you know, those people, they don't like Christmas. They don't do Christmas. People don't want to visit because there's no signs of decorations, other than a few cards we hang up on the wall that come in the mail. I do not like Christmas carols, Fa-la-la, or Deck the Halls. They are the same songs we've heard every year. Doesn't have anyone out there have imagination? Bah humbug, ho, ho, ho. They charge to see Santa, really? Well, it's the photo you're paying for, but the line to see Santa is for the photo. How about we give the kids a photo for free? Isn't that what the spirit of Christmas is all about? Well, enough on that. It's been a good year. I'd like to take a moment to thank all my listeners, all of you that have taken the time to write, and especially the show's supporters. For listeners on the outside, I have a GoFundMe page for this show, The Prison Pod. I also have a new website. You can find it at prisonpod.org. Updates on the podcast will be posted weekly, links from previous shows and guests, along with stories from Inside Death Row, North Carolina. Hopefully in January, Inside Death Row will be a new podcast. In the beginning, it will not be available on the tablets, but I will submit several shows to see if they will be approved. The main reason for the second podcast is definitely to save lives. It is my hope to deliver stories from death row that show the people living there and what they can contribute to life even from inside. I had a letter and someone asked for some suggestions or ideas around goals. I think in particular, they asked about short-term goals in prison. I think it's a wonderful idea to have a goal to work towards, but more importantly is addressing the steps on how you're going to get there. The goal is the end product. If you go back to one of my first podcasts on creating habits, I mentioned that if we create a habit, something we want to accomplish every day and do it for a month, it will become natural and will be something you do automatically, like brushing your teeth or going to the bathroom. If you're, let's say uh, your goal is to read a book and how long do you wanna take to read that book? So let's use a month. Uh, You look at how many pages in the book and you divide it by 31 days. The answer you get will be how many pages you need to read every day to finish the book in a month. What do you want to accomplish by reading this book? Is it just for pleasure or is it to learn something? If it is to learn, take notes, maybe even in the margins of the book itself. For future reference. I had a teacher, June Carter. She taught the on, in the Onward program at the University of Maine. She had us read a piece once called How to Own a Book. I wish I could remember who wrote it. I've looked up online and I can't find it. But the article asked how your books look. Were they pristine with no marks or pages, dog-eared? Or do you write in your books? Mine were the first. By the time I practiced owning my books, they were covered in underlines, writing in the margins. And I'm not an animal, so I used post-it tags instead of folding down the edges of the page. This was somehow freeing to my learning and understanding the materials I was reading better. I love going back and reading the notes, maybe adding to them or making a note that I now feel different. But I now own my books. They do not just sit and look pretty. So goals. Wow, did I go down the rabbit hole on that one. My goal for this past four weeks has been to get episode 20 recorded. I had Amanda Ecker lined up and she had to postpone. And then Roger Belair was going to talk about Pickleball, past, present, and prisons, Uh, but he needed to reschedule. So I had to come up with a show, and here I am. I had several ideas, but none of them flowed or felt right. Sometimes I just need to sit in front of the computer and the words flow. Other times I stand at the fork in the road and can't make a decision. Yes, I am human. I'm working on finding some theme music for the show to liven it up a bit. I have some ideas and will be in the studio working on season two in December. The plan is one more show for this year, ending off with 21 episodes. I have guests lined up for the next podcast. Craig and Marion from the National Council for Incarcerated and formerly incarcerated women and girls. Fingers crossed, we will be able to meet and record. I'm going to end this podcast with an essay I received called, No Monsters Here. Thank you, Rodney, for writing this. This place isn't at all what I thought it would be. I expected it to be dark and gloomy and full of sadness and it is but those things are actually undertones existing just beneath the, sur- the surface however on the surface there is an unwavering pursuit of life for even the least hopeful among us spend each day living and that surprised me though convicted a monster and sentenced to death I found no monsters here. Now I expected to be confined to a cell 23 hours a day with one hour out for recreation. Instead, I found myself assigned to a bunk in the dayroom area of a cell block designed to house 16 people. You see, due to overcrowding, only 15 cells were occupied and the remaining cell was reserved for myself and the other three men who were assigned to bunks as well. I had been housed in similar conditions prior to this point, but being among some of the presumed worst criminals in the country, this made me feel a bit wary. The prospect of sleeping out in the open among other convicted murderers didn't sit well with me at all, and there was no avoiding it. Well, actually, there was. I could have expressed my discomfort to the custody staff, and they would have provided me with a cell. But that accommodation would come with the classification of protective custody. Now to have that label was more unappealing to me than sleeping on a bug out in the open. Strange, but it was. So I pushed aside my apprehensions and adjusted to my new environment. After all, other guys were sleeping out on bunks. I reasoned if they could do it, so could I. Words cannot truly express the experience of my first day on death row. It was surreal. Sort of like something out of the Twilight Zone, where you find yourself someplace you don't belong, and you have no idea how you got there. That's what it was like for me. Although not quite as harrowing as one might expect, I likened it to a nightmare, only there is no escape from it because there is no waking from reality. Well, though fear wasn't a factor of the equation, I processed my my predicament with caution, should any trouble come my way, but it didn't. To my utter amazement, I met men who had developed a community of kinship predicated by their shared condemnation. Here, race, creed, and religion merged into a brotherhood of those living in the shadow of death. In this, there is no hostility as I was welcomed into the fold of the said living dead. Now, the process of getting a cell was one of waiting of a waiting list that was in constant rotation. Whenever someone got an infraction upon their release from solitary confinement, they they list their cell to the person next in line on the bunks. This is how I eventually got a cell about six months after I got to death row. Being in a prison cell can be a daunting experience especially for someone who is claustrophobic. Fortunately, I am not. Nor am I bothered by the stifling aloneness the solitude of a cell imposes. With nothing but impenetrable walls of concrete and a small window that doesn't open, one must have a fair amount of mental fortitude. For while there are no monsters here, There are demons, monsters of the psychological kind that are both merciless and inescapable. Unbidden memories come alive like Lazarus from the grave, memories you thought long forgotten or forgotten you even had, traumatic childhood memories tucked away in your subconscious, embarrassing or shameful memories willed into unremembrance. A cell will draw those from the hidden places in your mind for you to face. In my youth, I heard many war stories about prison and the situations one might face. The humiliation, the regret, the anguish. No one mentioned anything about these, <clears throat> this psychological suffering. And actually, I can understand why. Few people are willing to bear the torment of having their mind turned inside out, because that's what being alone in a cell is like. One of the few, I confess my struggle. I have spent many days and nights alone on myself, reflecting on my life. Everything I can remember has been remembered with startling clarity deeply humbled by this predicament of being on death row, I have faced myself in the mirror searching for the monster, yet it remains unfound. Nor among the other men here have I seen anything monstrous. Now, as far as I know, this is the only death row unit like this in the country. Unlike other death row units, we are allowed out of our cells from 7 a.m. to 10.45 p.m. During this time, we can socialize in the day room where we can play tabletop games and watch television. We also have the privilege of going outside for an hour a day where we can play basketball, workout, or simply walk around stretching our limbs and getting some fresh air. Surprisingly, in this open environment, with men who are considered to be the worst of the worst, there is a remarkable level of humanity that exists here. We share meals, we pray together, we celebrate birthdays and birth of grandchildren. We mourn the loss of one loved ones and console each other. It's like one big family and sure there are arguments and the occasional though rare fight. However, brotherhood in a genuine sense of community take precedence over conflict. And though we aren't all the best of friends, you're more apt to see expressions of compassion than contempt. In that, I would like to say we are rather unique. Yet people would have it believed that we are the wretched of the earth, unworthy of the air we breathe beyond being redeemed. But we eschew those condemning labels. With each breath we take breaths, those who support capital punishment would have be our last We strive to rise above this abyss into which we have been cast. Of course, it could be said that it is only out of desperation to save our lives that our humanity has become a priority to us. To that, I say, consider this. The man who smiles with joy at the commercial of a toddler at play and says, go ahead, little baby or the man whose eyes get moist every time he watches an episode of This Is Us, or the man who hears that the mother of a fellow prisoner has died and his heart aches as if the loss were his own. These things and more happen here. Unrehearsed and unfiltered, these actions epitomize humanity in our evidence, there are no monsters here. Thank you for letting me join you today on The Prison Pod. Again, I would love to hear from you if you would like to write. The Prison Pod, Post Office Box 294, or Maine, 044 seven three